Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, to another episode of The Magnificent, The Wondrous, The Everlasting DC Comics News Podcast. And we are a dynamic duo again, but maybe not the one you were expecting. With me is my friend. He is Solid Seth Singleton. Greetings, sir. How are you? (laughs) I'm feeling very concrete. I am solid. Yes. And... Well, and happy to be hanging out with you, sir. Good as always. Awesome, 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 awesome. This is our new latest 136th episode, and we're going to be talking about, well, everything we always talk about. DC-related TV news, movie news, streaming, comic books, and other. And it's going to be fun. So let's get straight into it. The first piece of news is that the Aquaman sequel, The Lost Kingdom has added three new pretty cool cast members as three new pretty cool characters. What'd you make of this one, brother? I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, for starters, um, character named Stingray sounds a lot of fun, but also I was really caught Just by Distant relation. Uh... <laughs> yes, yes, Steve J. Ray, Stingray. I can I can see the uh, familial ties. Um, and I'm also intrigued by Carson and the history dating all the way back to 1963 Green Lantern. That should be, you know, some fun possibilities. Plus, you know, we've got some uh, returning as well. And mostly I'm just intrigued by the fact that in a lot of cases, I won't always know the actor that's going to be on an upcoming project. But they do have an established history or they've you know, got a series of experience that makes them well-known to others, and it's always sort of fun to match that excitement and interest with, oh, I wonder who this is. I'm, I get a chance to see someone new doing some work. Um, I'm familiar with the show Pose. I have a relative who is a big fan, and I've seen a couple episodes, but if you you know, asked me to pick uh, Indy Moore out, wouldn't be able to, but I'm curious to see how that, you know, that actor portrays uh, Carson, curious about Stingray, um, Overall, um, really intrigued by the fact that we're also getting a uh, a new Atlas. What did you think, my friend? Anything to do with this film has me intrigued. I mean, whether I'm related to one of the cast members or not is a different matter. But I'm intrigued by uh, Carson, the intelligent shark. And because uh, all I can think of is Sylvester Stallone and nom nom. Um, maybe we might even get a guest appearance. That's a different form of intelligence, my friend. Different form of intelligence. Um, (laughs) With King Shark, it's, um, could it even be called that, really? Hand, bird, wonderful. Um, Whatever the case may be, we're going to get some fantastic um, ocean-related interesting stuff. So, yep, can't wait to see that, see see where it leads uh, and what adventures we'll get out of it in this wonderful Aquaman sequel. But uh, slipping away from the fun, I mean, this will be fun, but in a completely different way. We've had the grown up Red Band trailer for Injustice, the animated movie. Oh, boy, I'm really getting hyped for this one. What about you, sir? That was phenomenal. I mean, the the previous trailer I'd seen had done a wonderful job of sort of teasing what fans knew. But if you, say, are new to the title, and this is like something where you're like, 
wasn't that a game? And what's this all about? I mean, this trailer really introduces to you very early on just, man, how bad things can go when the Joker goes too far and pushes Superman too far. And from that punch, right away, I was like, oh, this is different. We decided to show more, have we? <laughs> Boy, did we. I mean, um, there, there's a couple of just moments that I remember, you know, from that, that trailer that still I can easily picture Superman flying directly through uh, Solomon Grundy in a very painful way. And a few others where it was just like, oh, oh. It was it was a really nice trailer, and I enjoyed the way it just gave a little bit more, but also clearly let us know, like, yeah, we're not giving away everything here. But this should be enough to whet your appetite. How about you, Steve? Has your yeah, you, you called it, but you always do. Do you not think that some of these editors, the guys who put these trailers together, are geniuses? Because, like I said, the original trailer was similar in its content, but somehow they managed to. Uh, not have any of the blood, gore, and violence, but still give the same impression. Whereas this one is just like, it's cut loose, no filter. Hey, Joker, have a heart. Yeah, have your own one. Um, It's just absolutely <laughs> crazy. And the whole Solomon Grundy moment, well, uh, yeah, he's through, literally. Uh, I, listen, we've talked about it before this was originally a video game based on comic book characters then it was a comic book adaptation of the video game based on the comic book characters and we've got an animated movie based on the comic book characters video game based on the comic book based on the video game and i've gone boss eyed but whatever the case this is a film i need to see oh yes and uh, uh, moving back to the fun side of things if this film takes off, A, I will faint, B, I will be delighted. But hey, you and I are animal lovers. What could be better than an Alan Moore possibly being on board for a Watchmen Pets movie from the guy who made Secret Life of Pets? I mean, some of this article just made me laugh out loud. What about you, Seth? I'm going to start off with Dr. Cat Hatton. Uh... <laughs> Nothing that ever one, meow. <laughs> right that that one got me right away followed by the idea of of taking what would be like the most common you know a, attempt or, or the most easiest association which is well what if we make night owl an owl uh, okay well let's do you one better what if we make night owl as a cockatiel dressed as an owl? <laughs> i was chuckling so hard or a blue cat living on the moon or a dalmatian with spots that move around all the that's time. the one that got me the dalmatian <laughs> Perfect. oh goodness so yeah and i i love the the pure like chutzpah you know the hey man i'm gonna get alan moore on this what if this is the one that brings him back and it's all like i fix it like i was like dude you got moxie you got serious you know what i mean those are chops buddy you're 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 stepping up and you're strutting but uh hey if he could do it what what a great way like can you imagine if everyone's like Remember that weird moment where suddenly Alan Moore came back, things worked out, and it all started with Watchmen Pets. What do you think, Steve? I think that I'd be the happiest man in the world if that was to happen, because Mr. Moore, bless him, the dark wizard of comic book awesomeness, was never much known for being a man to crack a smile. But please, Lord, let him come across this article, read it, and think, life's too 
short. Let's bury the hatchet. Let's do this crazy thing because it would be absolutely amazing. And guys um, out there listening, uh, do look up this post for a fantastic mock-up of the Secret Life of Pets characters as Watchmen characters. It's absolutely gorgeous. But Seth, yeah, a Dalmatian whose spots keep on revolving, that's just friggin' genius. Let's be honest here. I'd pay for the ticket just for that alone i just for that amazing now something else that's amazing and something that'll tickle our earbuds and not just our eyeballs is the fact that the loki composer the lady who made all the music for that terrific tv show for uh, <clears throat> the marvelous competition natalie holt will be doing the music for the upcoming batgirl movie now this i know would please brad does it please you seth Oh, yes, it does. I really enjoyed that series. I, I thought, man, I thought it took a lot of fun risks. I thought it, it was adventurous. And I thought the music really set uh, a really great. I mean, it, it, it balances that funny thing that, that Loki is, which is sometimes serious and other times just, you know, completely quirky, tongue in cheek. You know, am I serious? Mm, very witty. I'm very charming. This could all. And I, I love that feeling of the music. But the, the concept then of taking someone who is able to match music so well to that character and then offer that same sort of possibility with Batgirl, who, man, this could be a really great defining way of, of you know, setting that character up as part of this identity that, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of fans who know, but in a live action way, there's been very few examples of a Batgirl that people are like, yeah, you know, we, yes, this is our live action Batgirl. So I'm really excited to see uh, how this can fit with that because to give a character a voice, you know, something that's so, you know, astounding is a, what we saw so well done with Loki, but also what we recently seen so well done with characters like Joker where it's like, wow, you get the right team on this and you can create a character that all you have to do is play their music and they're going to call to mind. So I love that this is someone who has that potential. And I think uh, Natalie Holt is really going to bring some amazing stuff to Batgirl. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. What do you think, my friend? Yeah, you, you called it. They always say that the best soundtracks are the ones where you actually don't even realise they're there. I agree to an extent when it comes to mood and tension and uh, elevating the emotion of a scene. But let's be completely frank. There are some pieces of music that just evoke a moment and a character like nothing else. I mean, that, that music sometimes brings the image to your head more than actually seeing the scene. For example... Um, Danny Elfman's Batman theme. If that doesn't evoke Michael Keaton in his cape, nothing will. Uh, the Indiana Jones theme, the Harry Potter, John Williams' Superman theme is iconic. And you just see the Man of Steel standing there when you hear it. A brilliant piece of music elevates anything you see visually on the screen. So Natalie Holt did a great job on Loki. The music in that was 
ethereal cosmic weird and then it went totally to like um almost being part of a band music when it went out music track from the charts or from an album was playing in the background and the way she blended that was really really well done if we can get some of that in the background movie featuring barbara gordon who you know i adore who you know is getting a real resurgence and for someone who doesn't have her own book she's killing it on nightwing the two batman books she's going to be part of the, she's going to be the mentor for the two batgirls when the batgirls series starts um she's doing fantastically in titans at the moment it's a great time to be a barbara gordon fan so yeah natalie holt can't wait to hear your work with the dc universe as opposed to our marvelous friends over the road so that's it for movie news we're going to take a quick break and find out about some of the other amazing shows on this network and others but we'll be right back with tv streaming comic books and other things uh seth and i so Let's uh, go to our break for DCM Podcast episode 136. We'll be back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bad Go. No, no one had to see more of the bad no, I didn't want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. 
drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un, unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And we have returned. We've talked movies. Now, Seth, do you want to talk about some TV? I think Yes, I do. I think we should. Let's start off with, well, HBO Max seem to be um, going back to being DC Universe because most of the new shows I'm hearing about are DC related. But that makes me happy. The Girl of Steel may be leaving the CW, but a brand new Supergirl is coming to HBO Max in her own show. Thoughts, my friend? I think it's great timing. I mean, I was really disappointed when when it was announced that Supergirl would be um, coming to a close. And this announcement just makes me think like, wow, what a great handoff. You know, you had a good, you had a, a great run on CW. You probably could have gone for a lot longer, but now there's an opportunity for fans to get on um, to a whole new sort of setup for the character. And I love the idea of how many different ways you can go with Supergirl. I mean, right now that Tom King uh, Woman of Tomorrow one is just boggling the mind. <laughs> I so love her good. spirit. So, right? so good. And there's something about her which is just so, ah, so fiery, so determined. And uh, I love the idea of getting, you know, some of that as part of this series. I'm also just totally blown away by the fact that they're talking about Michael Keaton, you know, Basically, both of them carrying on their roles from the upcoming Flash movie as part of this HBO Max series. And what, I mean, what a Batman Supergirl story. Like, for me, I'm just totally caught by that and going, this this is a team up. I, I was, I had no idea how much I won until you just announced it that way. So I'm really excited. Plus, I, I distinctly remember when uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, Andy Muschietti was giving a sort of reveal. He was doing a video chat with uh, Sasha Kaye. And they're talking, and all of a sudden he's like, see that? That's your Supergirl. That's, that's your costume. Like, that, that's it. And just like the, the, the emotion on her face, the, the exuberance. Um, if there's someone that's going to be playing in the upcoming show, I, I, I'm just reminded of that and, and how much I'm looking forward to seeing that in her own show, which I think is huge. Um, I think she's amazingly deserving uh, of her own show. And I'm also really curious if this is part of a strategy on, on the part of like HBO, Warner, DC, where it's like, look, we can do this. We can use this platform to launch interesting characters and expand beyond. I, I really think this could be uh, a signal of really great characters who are deserving of a show like this that could be uh coming our way soon what do you think steve yeah once again we're of a very very like mind my brother um it would be fascinating because you know how i feel about the whole batman superman team the world's finest team and seeing a brand new spin on that dynamic with an old batman and a young fresh super girl 
is just brilliant. Like you said, it's a story I didn't know I wanted until they literally put it there in front of us. But this leads back to that whole thing we've been talking about for months, that the multiverse, the metaverse, the omniverse is a thing that isn't just happening in the comics now, because this is not the Supergirl we know. This is not the CW Supergirl. This may even not be Kara Zor-El at all. What if it's, I don't know, a Supergirl from a gender-swapped universe? Because she does look a lot like Superman, but in female form. I mean, the fact that that is almost identical to Henry Cavill's costume, down to the hieroglyphics across the centre of the S, which we mentioned in previous episodes, this is something different, something fresh, something new, something impeccably wonderfully dc and yeah like you said i'm really looking forward to it now something else i was really looking forward to but i'm gonna have to wait a teensy bit longer only two weeks i can live with that the collected edition of superman the animated series on blu-ray has been delayed to the end of october hmm what do you make of this one seth you know, uh, two weeks just means you have more time to uh, prepare in whatever way you need. I mean, mow the lawn extra short, um, pre-make a week of meals, whatever you got to do so that when you get this, all you have to do is watch and then like microwave, pause, eat, maybe pause, restroom break, you know, and you're set. So I would just say, hey, you know, the two weeks may seem frustrating, but I kind of think they're a gift. They're an opportunity so that when you do get your hands on this, nothing's going to get in your way. Hey, work? Yeah, I went ahead and scheduled that week vacation. Remember? Got you covered. Thanks, guys. However you end up doing it. Um, sometimes it can be disappointing and frustrating, but in my eyes, it's like, yeah, don't worry. You've, you've got that extra time. And who knows how it can help you set up and enjoy all the stuff that's in here. I mean, don't forget, since you've got that extra time, guys, read through everything that's in here. All of the specialties, uh, all the featurettes, the commentary. Um, I, I highly encourage and recommend because uh, one, it's just going to make the uh, the moment a little bit better. And two, well, nothing wrong with a little preparation, especially when it's something you're looking forward to. What do you think, Steve? Hey, my favourite character is Batman. He's all about the preparation. And dear listener, um, if you're wondering what Seth's middle name is, it's Seth Stock Up on the Snacks Singleton or Seth Glass is Half Full Singleton. I love your thinking, sir. Absolutely. Two weeks <laughs> just means you can get more ready. Grab the snacks, grab the beverages, get ready, get your friends over, call off sick. Just like you said, I like your thinking. And hey, everybody knows this is going to go on the shelf. It's got to join Batman the Animated Series. It's got to join Batman Beyond. It just has to be done. And hey, maybe um, in the months to come when Adam and I finish recording I Am The Nights, we can change it to up, up and away. It'll be worth the wait, whatever happens. Now, this is a story that could be one of my favourites of the week. DC history documentary series hbo max now i've recently rewatched the wonderful robert kirkman secret history of comics and it just really whetted my appetite for some new non-fiction stuff based on comic books to get a three-part dc documentary hey i'm there 
What about you? I think it's a great idea. I mean, I really feel that there's, it's not always easy to find a very um, cohesive, you know, complete collected, hey, this is how things happened back then. This is how they got us to where we are now. And I think there's been some wonderful installations along the way, but I love the idea of DC saying, hey, we're going to hire some, you know, really well-recognized documentary filmmakers. Show them what we have as far as the things that are known about us and all the resources they can use. And we're going to invite them to say, this is the story as we know it. And these are the people we're going to talk to and have them tell you in their own words. Um, I love the opportunity because I feel like there's the things that we know. And then we always know that there's those stories that until you get a chance to get the right person on mic or in front of the camera and they can say, let me tell you a little something about how that happened, why that happened and how it can so deeply enrich in the context of these characters for old fans and new. It's, it's a great opportunity for that feeling that you get when you connect with history. And then you can draw that line from your favorite characters all the way back to when they first began and, and all the great things they've done along the way. Steve, what do you think? Absolutely. Um, I've always been the kind of guy who loved to get the facts behind the fiction. I'm the guy who still will buy Blu-rays and DVDs because of the special features, the making ofs, the behind the scenes, the blooper reels, everything else. And now we're actually going to get a behind the scenes of 80 plus years of the comics we love. The creators, the history, the unknown tales, the legends that have sprung up around certain issues and certain things that never published and why. Certain things that were published but not the way they originally intended. If we get that kind of stuff too, plus some great creator biographies, this show feels like it was made for me. I love that kind of stuff and I cannot wait. It just makes me even more grrr about the fact that we don't have HBO Max, but hey, maybe the all new channel we've received in the UK in the last few weeks, um, Sky Max, which seems to be showing a lot of HBO stuff, may be the way forward. I can but pray because I want to see this show very, very much. Now, another show I want to see is Batwoman season three, even though it feels like season two just ended. Um, we're only a few weeks away from the beginning of season three. And we've got a trailer with Crocs and Alice's and Hatters. Oh, my Seth. That was a fun trailer. Um, and I love the concept that it introduces right from the beginning. Yeah. So uh, Batman's trophies are out there <laughs> and we got to find them. And what a great little hunt that will be, especially with the idea of adding Alice on as a consultant. And then, yes, I, I did enjoy those those little you know glimpses we had of the Hatter croc and that feeling of, OK, just how much wilder can season three get? Steve. I know you're a big fan. What did you think of all this holds for season three? I think it's going to get a whole lot more Ryan Wilder. Boom, boom, See what I did there? Oh, dear. I'm so oh, sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody <laughs> saw. <laughs> yeah, you, you just laid it's that It's audio, but they saw. So you did it. You, you know, it, it was just like, I, I couldn't resist because I'm just that cray cray. Um, yeah. Batwoman. Um, it's documented. 
uh, and I've apologised for it, I said when Ruby Rose walked away and they announced casting a brand new Batwoman, I thought, uh, really? Um, I will eat humble pie. I will say I was wrong. Season two was way better than season one was. It's a fact. So, yes, I'm invested. I'm all in. Bring me Batwoman. Bring her to me now. But in a good way, I just want to watch her not hunt her down or be some kind of consultant who is completely and utterly mad hatter stand. No way. Mm. But I do want to watch it. Now, we recently saw a wonderful movie by a chap named James Gunn called The Suicide Squad. And he's made a Peacemaker show and we've seen some footage. Oh, this is just going to make me laugh all day. I can't wait to see this. What about you, sir? Well, I'm going to never make the mistake of calling it a costume in front of uh, Mr. Peacemaker again. That's Uniform, one. damn it! It is. And the part where he is bent over, shooting between his legs, and in doing so, creating a peace symbol with bullet holes. Clearly defined for me uh, the tone that the show will be setting. Uh, I'm also just mm-hmm. really interested because I love that the there was this great question that I felt was asked in Suicide Squad. And I want to see how the show is going to answer it. I think it's going to be a really fun one. And uh, I, I love that it's going to be doing so from also a wildly zany point of view. What do you think, Steve? I love it when we know there's going to be some violence in this show. This is going to be a grown-up show. This isn't super, This isn't Stargirl here. Nothing wrong with Stargirl. I love that show. It's one of my favorite pieces of TV in the world. But this is going to be... Oh, God. I, the way I can just see it becoming is Doom Patrol meets Rambo. I just don't know where this show is going to go. But um, I cannot wait to find out that the whole scene with the shooting. And uh, what is it about James Gunn and uh, John Cena in tight pants? Um, hey, uh, never mind. It, it's one for the ladies or those who appreciate the male form, I guess. But I'm going to be in it for the action. I'm going to be in it for the fun. I'm going to be in it for the kick-ass, non-stop thrill ride that Peacemaker promises to be. So, yeah, I'm there. Uh, so far, there's nothing I've seen that makes me not want to watch that show. Now, speaking of Peacemaker and a certain Mr. Gunn, he's even talked about, well, this guy's known for music, the music we may be getting in the show. Now, this one's got me really intrigued, and I know you're a music fan, Seth. What did you make of this story? Well, I love how he was pointing out that um, he's going for an 80s jam feel and that it really is all hair metal. But it's also a lot of modern sleaze rock and hair metal, (laughs) which I thought was just a great description. And also that he's like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, these are going to be a lot of great bands most people don't know about. And and I love that. And and there's something about him saying, I love that stuff, but there's also a lot of really bad stuff. So it was good fun finding, you know, the really good stuff. And I think there are some great hair band, hair rock classics that would go perfectly in a uh, Peacemaker series. So um, I'm really intrigued now to see where he ends up settling, what that playlist is going to look like, and if it's going to be one of those like must-have audio collections for the uh, the season. What do you think? Everything you just said. Um, it's the perfect soundtrack for this kind of uh, show, I think. When we got the two 
death metal soundtracks. Um, I, I know there was very little or next to no actual death metal there, but the exuberance, the fun, the you couldn't tell what was coming next with the comic book or with a soundtrack. I feel we're going to be getting that with Peacemaker. We know it looks wacky, radical, violent and funny. That era of music, well, it's it's my era. I grew up in the uh, my teenage years were the 80s and my 20s were in the 90s. So that whole hair metal era, those bands named that's got me written all over it. I will watch this show between fits of laughter with nostalgia tinted glasses. And what more could any comic book fan want than that? I think so. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Now, something very close to my heart. And the first of two stories revolving around dream of the endless. We've seen our first actual footage from the Sandman Netflix show and oh boy the only word that comes to mind is perfect Seth yes that was uh that was a really stunning video I mean oh my goodness (laughs) there was something also just really intriguing about this group that are performing this ritual and then stumble upon um, something they thought they were getting turns out to be part of the family. And in the process, perhaps one of the most um, willful members of that family to be captured. It, it was very short. I mean, the, the buildup was more about this environment and their intention, but then it's about what they discover. And then quickly it's that sense of, you're going to have your hands full and you're going to need some help. I, I, I was really drawn in. I thought it really did a great job in a very short amount of time of setting a great tone and a lot of expectation. What did you think, Steve? It just makes me really happy that the people who are making this show not only have clearly read the source material, they get the source material and they love the source material. Um, Honestly, watching this clip, I wanted to go upstairs and pull out my Sandman issues because I swear every line of dialogue is exactly what Neil Gaiman wrote. And yes, you'll never get actors who look exactly like the comic book characters, but having an actor of the calibre of Charles Dance to play Roderick Burgess is a stroke of genius because he doesn't look like the character of the comics, but his grandeur his gravitas his presence is perfect he could be a dark mage from decades ago who tries to capture death but captures someone who's actually far more scary um you know how i feel about the sandman comics the salmon audios have blown my mind already But the fact that they're taking the level of care for this TV show that they've taken for the audios just makes me one very, very happy fan indeed. Netflix, thank you. Mr. Gaiman, thank you. Oh, boy, I'm counting the minutes, not the days or the hours, the minutes until this show is brilliant. Right. So let's hit our second ad break. We've talked about moving pictures and we'll come back after this ad to talk about the source material and other stuff. So stay tuned for DC Comics News Podcast, episode 136, chapter three, coming your way in a few short seconds. 
first, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nerds. I definitely do not f*** bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And we have returned. Seth, over to you, sir. Thank you, my good sir. Taking that mic from Steve J. Ray is always a question. Do I have everything necessary to follow up what he's done so well so far? And then yes. you just smile and remember. Ah, and then you just smile <laughs> and remember. Yeah, you're with great friends. Who's to worry? And really, who's to worry when comics are well able to have as much fun as we want them to? Kicking off our comic book news story is the announcement this comic book news section that DC chose to pay a very rare and playful homage to a classic Marvel Spider-Man cover. One that I love this, uh, this story for sharing with us. It, at one point, mashes the two so you can see that in an upcoming, a, uh, upcoming Batman issue, it's going to be number 118, when uh, Williamson will be taking over, that they've got Batman in a crouch that resembles an iconic pose drawn by Mr. McFarlane of Spider-Man. And so many great details that can be unearthed if you look just a little closer at all this has to hold. Steve, what'd you think about this story? This is one of the coolest things in the history of ever. Um, I remember the original cover. 
I remember the uh, one a few years later, which reproduced it with the black costume. I remember the cover of Spawn, which aped both. And now we're getting Batman. And th- th- the little hints, like you said, Seth, the little Easter eggs that are on this cover are just absolutely fantastic. It's the old DC bullet from that same era. The fact they've even mimicked the Batman logo to like the spider-man one the whole banner across the top and the iconic pose that even though it's fully painted it's not by um todd mcfarlane you can so clearly see exactly what it's based on there was no denying this wasn't like a a little subtle hint or tribute was it it was in your face but the artist has come out and said listen this cover's iconic it's reproduced so many homages here's mine i love that i love fans that love what they do and everything that's come before the creators i love are the ones who respect the past and build on it not the ones who paint over it so bravo um yeah uh this is definitely one that's going to be on my shelf well it's batman so it's going to be anyway but i don't often fall for the variant cover trick they've got me i'm buying it enough said what about you seth yeah, I love looking at the side-by-side side of these two images and just getting a huge kick out of it and sort of just chuckling, especially when I zoomed into that bottom right-hand corner, which is uh, where they, if you look at the original, you've got Todd McFarlane's signature in this white little box. And on the uh, Batman issue, it says, after Todd McFarlane. And just these you know, little touches, like you said, everything from the banner uh, to the bullet to the way that the name is uh, the of the issue and the story is, you know, drawn in that box in the bottom corner. There were so many. Oh, yeah. And the all new collected item issue, <laughs> all new collectors item issue with the question mark. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. Like everything about it just seemed to say, take a look, you know, compare, compare, compare. And that's a lot of fun. And as you mentioned, Steve, you are already a Batman fan. Like it's of course you were going to have this, but now you can enjoy it with all of that sort of like awareness of like, yeah. I remember that one that started it, and I remember this one now. And what a great thread of history, and what a great way to look back and say, hey, here's a, here's a little reminder, you know, just what it is that inspires the artists that we have creating these beautiful visuals we get to enjoy now. So while it's always fun to look back and remember what inspired us, there's also something to be said for looking forward. And one thing that we can all look forward to is the upcoming Aquaman, the becoming number one. And we got a little preview showing, well, a fairly ominous future and one that uh, is something we can see more of when becoming is an issue we get to hold in our hands. Steve, what did you think about this story and the preview and the upcoming, the becoming? Well, it, it, it leads back again to the spinner rack and episodes that I've missed out on, on on this show that you talked with Brad. And you and I are both in complete agreement. We're of a like mind when it comes to Future State and the Future State Aquaman series was just fantastic. We've talked about it before. I fell in love with Jackson Hyde and with Andy Curry in that I can't believe it was just two issues because the amount of story they got through the beautiful art and colors, it just blew my mind. And I said, right then I want more of these characters and Hey, 
Who says wishes don't come true? Look at this series. Look at the preview. I know we're going to get something every bit as good as the future state stories that lead up to them. We're going to see a brand new Aquaman. And do you know what makes me really happy? The fact that it doesn't mean Arthur Curry's going away. We're not going to just have an all new Aquaman and say goodbye to the old one. They both share the title. They both deserve the title. And I honestly believe that Jackson Hyde will honour the title. Um, Man, we need an Aquaman comic. And even though it's not the original Aquaman, this guy is cool. And yeah, I'm invested. Can't wait. What about you, Seth? Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I mean, it's so easy to go, look at this. You know, it's a great six-issue series that's going to, you know, I think really bring to life all of those other elements that the future state hinted at. As you said, two issues, how much they packed in there. How much more can they unpack in this great mini that they're going to be offering? And then what can that be leading to for, you know, a hopefully ongoing title for uh, Aquaman? Because, yeah, Jackson... Man, there were so many great moments that I loved about that Future State storyline. I loved the bond he created with, uh, oh, I'm totally blanking on her name now. I know it starts with an A. Uh, Andy? Yes? Um, it, it was Andy. Lovely Andy. Lovely Andy. It was phenomenal. And I, I can only imagine, you know, how much more we get to see of, of the character. You know, this young man who's, he's got a dad who just drives him nuts. <laughs> and uh he's got all these things that you know are going to make his attempt to you know, hold on to his title to follow in the footsteps of arthur curry it, it's going to be just as challenging i mean it always seemed like arthur was always in some sort of fight and struggle and and jackson he's up for the task i'm really looking forward to seeing um all the things that this can offer us and as you said build us towards the events that we got a chance to experience in future state it's 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 really fun to look forward to, especially knowing all the things we've already had the chance to get glimpses of. So I'm excited for it. I am also excited for the fact that we were just talking about Batgirl as far as her own show, as far as. Um, man, I loved her recent, you know, I mean, I know she doesn't have her own title now, but I, I love the one that they wrapped up just a little while back. And um, I love the fact that she's been such a great feature in titles that you were talking about earlier, Steve, like Nightwing. So the announcement that uh, she will be suiting up in Nightwing number 84, and by suiting up, I mean putting on seriously awesome costume. I was like, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see, you know, what what Barbara's going to be doing and just what sort of cool tricks this new costume might have? Or is it a uniform? Steve? More Barbara Gordon. More Barbara Gordon. More Barbara Gordon. Yay! Um, the ending, the last couple of pages of Nightwing 84, I'm not going to lie, I stood up and I punched the air like I was in New Kids on the Block, sir. I loved it. Um finally she's back in the costume and this costume we talked about it when it was announced when they first teased it it's the perfect synthesis of the classic batgirl costume and the burnside costume it rocks and seeing babs in it damn 
as I said, right now, if you're a Barbara Gordon fan, you're in heaven. And when you get other little tributes, I don't know if you follow Gail Simone online at all, who basically um, wrote the best Oracle and Birds of Prey series ever, something that Matt B. Lloyd and I are, uh, are very passionate about. Um, in Titans, Barbara officially has a middle name now, and it is Gail. And that, to me, just says it all. And Miss Simone should be very, very proud that her girl is back in costume, whether it's permanent or I don't care, because she's in Nightwing. She's in Batman. She's in Detective Comics. She's on the Titans TV show, and she will be leading the team of Batgirls in an all-new comic book coming soon. Ah, oh, as a Batgirl fan, as a Barbara Gordon fan, I am a very, very happy man. What about you, Seth? Oh, there's so many great reasons to be happy. And yes, I, I did really enjoy that. And I sort of loved how everyone on like, you know, Twitter and stuff was sort of teasing her like, hey, you know, Gail, did you hear they gave uh, Barbara a middle name? It was really awesome. And she's like, what's the middle name? <laughs> so many people were sort of teasing her like, well, it's this. And she would be like, no, it's not that. Well, it's this. And I, I loved watching that episode and just, you know, Barbara Gail. That was that was a really lovely um tip of the hat and and i thought it was just a really smooth way of just saying yeah we know we know exactly what you did we know why uh, this character is so amazing and and how much of that you you made possible for fans so um <laughs> knowing just just how much of that is is something that is lauded and respected by fans i think just it, it's part of that itch where we're just like well not going to put her in the title. Can you at least put her back in costume and let her get on the streets on other titles? Because one, I, I love the chemistry with her and uh, and Grayson, and and two, I love the fact that she's not doing it all the time, and that after the recent incident that she had with her implant, and and really just having a bit of a, a spook and an awareness that while it gave her back the ability to to walk and do all these great things. It's also, you know, a tenuous one, not something she can always depend on and that she wants to make sure that she's applying all the skills that she has, both physically and mentally. And I love the fact that when she feels there's a need, she's going to suit up. But that if she feels she can pay, play a better role in a, uh, you know, an overview capacity, then then she's going to use those skills because those are still great strengths for her. So um, I think it's so great that even though she doesn't have a title, that she can be a great character in costume or not in costume. And then when the time comes, put on a costume and this costume. I, I love how classy it is. I, I love the fact that there is this wonderful style to it that also says it doesn't have to be ridiculously flesh-bearing or you know, um, sexy in some way. It can be functional and cool and kick butt and this one does all of that. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a yeah. huge fan. <laughs> and with that, that is our uh, our last on the comic book news section. But one of the great things we love to have fun here with is a little section we like to call Other. And thank you, Mr. Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief, for always dropping this section in there. And there's an opportunity to show some great stuff that doesn't really fit in movies, television, and comics. But it could find a nice spot right on your shelf for this first story, I think what I'm talking about here 
is the announcement that McFarlane Toys has a three Jokers pre-order available with some characters that I think you're going to be excited about. Steve, are you excited? Oh, man. You know that I still obsess over the three Jokers story. Um, One of my favorite comic book arcs of recent years, not just eight year, recent years, and these figures, once again, uh, we must sound like broken records here. McFarlane Toys, how do you do it? Because these aren't figures that are based on actors' likenesses, which they do impeccably. These are based on drawings. But they've managed to somehow imbue a life into these characters that doesn't just evoke the comic book, but evokes classic jokers of yesteryear, vintage Bruce Waynes of the past, and everything in between we're getting a red hood a batgirl and a batman and only two out of the three jokers in this first wave which leads me to believe is it just going to be one character in the next wave or are we going to see uh jason without the helmet um i don't know battle worn bruce i don't know but whatever the case is if they match up to this first wave they are going to be brilliant the two jokers we're getting are the clown and the criminal and I'm seeing the Jokers from the recent book, the Three Jokers book, but I'm also seeing Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson and Bill Fingers Joker from the 40s there in The Criminal. I'm seeing the classic Silver Age clown Joker running across giant typewriters and smacking people with rubber chickens in The Clown. I really love these figures. I'm not a figure collector, but damn, if I were, these would be on my pre-order list right now. Seth, what did you make of them, my friend? Yeah, I'm not a collector, and it's easy to see why, if I was, it would be so dangerous. I mean, I would simply be building and installing new shelves, buying bigger cases, because, I mean, when a collection like this comes along, like, what do you say, just one? Really? Really? No. You, you get the whole collection. And yeah, Steve, now I am intrigued uh, because I was thinking about it too. Like, what would be the purpose of only offering two Jokers for this line when we know there's three? So if you do a, another line that features the other Joker, who who else do we get? To, what, what else goes along with that? Because you wouldn't just do one, right? You, come on. You're going you're gonna to put it together with some stuff. So I was really interested in that. I, I felt like there was, uh, you know, some great possibility that could, I mean, who knows? Maybe for whatever reason, we decide to get some supporting characters as well from that series. Um, but it, it does raise the question. All right. So who else will be coming along when we get that third Joker? But in the meantime, the ones that we get, you know, man. I mean, the Batman is phenomenal. I love that pose. I love the, the feeling of the boots. Like, he just looks so grounded. Um, Batgirl looks like she has come straight off the page. And there's something just so menacing about a figure of Jason Todd holding a crowbar like that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And this, this captures that feeling so well. And, man, you know, you know McFarlane... We were just talking about how iconic his art is with this great homage cover, but his toys have, you know, they've literally carved their own 
niche and you know pocket of reputation within the mythos that was already Todd McFarland. So I'm completely blown away, and I, I can definitely see why. If you're a collector, I won't be jealously following you on Instagram or wherever you show pictures like this, but I will cheer you on, and I will thank you for being someone to make sure these guys have a nice little home. Um, and now, Steve, I'm going to really have to rely on you because this next story falls completely into your wheelhouse. And while I loved wrestling when I was a kid, I, I fell off in the mid-90s or so and, and never got back on. But along the way, it appears that there have been some great characters who have appeared recently, like, say, Ruby Soho and... There's a connection to a desire on the part of Vince McMahon, who was so inspired by Suicide Squad that he wanted to bring some of those great female characters to life through the amazing WWE staff. Steve, can you can you make sense of this for me and sort of make it sound like something listeners are going to better understand through your voice? If you're going to steal, steal from the best. Um, I didn't put two and two together watching Ruby Riot when she first came into the WWE in the NXT division, which is arguably the best um, mainstream division, which feels like an indie. NXT is like developmental for WWE. They bring superstars from other leagues and uh, other federations into NXT, and then the best ones, the ones who really make it, get moved up to the main WWE roster. And when Ruby Riot turned up with um, Liv Morgan and, um, oh, God, who was the other girl called Sarah? I forget. But either way, they were a trio. And they were literally comic book characters come to life. The cute one, the dangerous one, and, like, the beast, the, the, the muscle, which is what you get in any superhero book. But looking at them, they could easily be a, a barder, or a Harley Quinn and a Joker. And it really, really works looking back. Ruby is a phenomenal talent. Um, She was used fantastically in NXT, but for some baffling reason, a lot of people who do really well in NXT, I don't know whether it's WWE creative, I don't know if it's the writers, they do not handle the transition or they do not handle them properly when they move up to the big leagues. Since... Of course, Ruby has moved on and is now with AEW under the ring name of um, Ruby Soho instead of Ruby Riot. But she could have pulled off a Joker character. She can do menacing. She can do scary. She can go from darkness to light, silence to laughter, um, calmness to violence at the drop of a hat. Phenomenal performer. I'm really glad she's doing really, really well at AEW. But, um, yeah, who knew that Vince may actually be a comic book fan? But as a fan back in the day, Seth, you must agree that one of the appeals of wrestling was that they were like comic books come to life. It was the good guys versus the bad guys in their epic battles on screen and in the ring. And that's why I still love the medium to this day. And people who knock wrestling, who say, oh, it's predetermined, this, that, and the other, it's not real. You get in a ring with these guys and tell me it's not real. You feel those bumps. You feel those kicks and punches. And yes, they're held back. But you like movies, right? You watch a film. 
You like an action sequence? Those action sequences aren't performed by the actors in most cases. They're performed by stunt doubles. Those action sequences are shot from 20 different angles, 20 different times, and pieced together. The guys and girls who wrestle do that live for a fee-paying audience week in and week out. Okay, they may not be fighters per se, but they're athletes, and I respect them, and they're entertainers. And Ruby Riot is one of the best, and... She's based on the Joker. Awesome. Seth, I hope that's uh, clarified things a little bit for you, my brother. Yeah, no, it really does. And yeah, when I was a kid, like, man, I mean, I distinctly remember my friend, his family would always get, you know, SummerSlam or whatever the big event was. And it was just a, a grand old time. I mean, like, you know, you, you had your favorites. You know who the good guys were, the guys who were honorable and the ones who cheated. And it, it was it was great. I mean, and if you're curious about their fitness, all you have to do is look at the physiques and how much energy these guys expel uh, whenever there's a competition, whenever it's a match. I mean, my goodness. Like, yeah, clearly, you know, there's a lot of work involved just to you know go through all the different movements that they're performing. And also on a regular basis. I mean, it's so easy to get injured. It's so easy to mistime things. It takes a lot of practice and expertise. Um, but this connection was a really fun one for me to understand. And I thought you did a great job of explaining it and sort of like, you know, giving a little bit of context for like, Hey, if you're not as familiar, you know, understanding how it is that she was part of one group and then another, and how this was part of like a development. And then, you know, there was the transition that didn't work out. But how interestingly enough, behind it all was McMahon, who, like Suicide Squad, decided he wanted to bring some of that to life. And, and what it was that they were trying to do, that really helped fill in a lot of the gaps for me. Man. So I, I appreciate it. And sadly, this next story, our last one and the other, our last one for this episode, is it's it's not going to fill in any gaps, really. It's simply going to tease you and leave you with a lot of gaps, a lot of great questions, and so much to look forward to, especially if you enjoyed the uh, first Sandman audio series because Sandman Act 2 has a wonderful clip and a great exchange between two legendary characters. We both had a chance to listen to it, Steve. What did you think, and uh, how much more excited are you for Act 2? Oh, man. I mean, you, you've heard Act 1 now, because obviously, being with DC Comics News, we do have access to some of this stuff. And honestly, that first season of shows, it was the comics. The way it was adapted was pitch perfect, as I'm astounded to say, so does that first video clip for the Netflix show, but... We talked in recent weeks about the casting for season two, for act two of Sandman, the next uh, set of graphic novels adapted in audio. And that clip oh, with Martin Sheen as Lucifer facing off against Dream in the skies over hell. I could see the panels they're based on from the comic books drawn by the legendary Kelly Jones from the season of mists book and it just makes me want to plug in my headphones and play the entire second season right now season one was good season one was great season one was bordering on perfect 
but now they've known that works it seems like they've literally pulled out all the stops and are going up to volume 11 for act two and as a sandman fan i I wish brad could have made this episode because seth you'd have been sitting there nodding and smiling at your two friends gushing like two schoolgirls over their high school crush because the sandman video looked awesome and sandman act two on audio is blowing our minds Uh, i cannot wait to hear the entire show oh man can't wait um has this whetted your appetite to read more sandman and uh, listen to more sandman my friend oh without question i mean the the, the tension the emotion <laughs> that the presentation was phenomenal the quality is top notch and it it only takes that first summoning of lucifer to go oh well let's see what it is these two are going to be talking about <laughs> And I thought that was really awesome. I mean, I was really caught by it. And I thought to myself, wow, if you're going to show, you know, show, if you're going to offer a clip to let others listen to and say, here, this is what's in store. Whether you've heard it before, whether you've listened to Act Warner, this is your first exposure to the idea. There's a Sandman audio series. Yeah, this one's going to be one of the ones that that's going to catch your attention. And I, I love that it's got just the right amount, just a minute, 34 seconds or so. Hey, there you go. There you go. Okay, more is coming later. Don't worry. <laughs> more is coming later. And man, yeah, it was a really smart clip. It was really well done. And and I am disappointed. I mean, you know, I love it when it's the whole gang. But yeah, Brad, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Um, yeah, we're talking about you. And at some point, we're going to get another one of these stories. And it's going to be you and Steve. And I'm just going to be sitting there like, woo, go. <laughs> but we're always and, together in spirit aren't we Seth yes yes um, but watching you two in the present in the flesh uh, <laughs> hearing talking about it in the now is always a great deal of fun because there's always something new you see or uncover for each other and then it it's wonderful fodder for the rest of us like oh uh, yeah that sounds that sounds sweet that sounds even better when you say it like that and that's the best part about sharing these uh, stories with you each and every week. Oh, yeah. We get the chance to sort of Definitely. get that feeling. Yeah. And um, hey, with that, that's our final story on the list. Steve, final thoughts before we, uh, you know, do the old uh, ending routine there. Any any lingering comments about any of these stories where you're like, yeah, one last thing about that before we uh, I- do want to salute you my friend because um as, as we've mentioned earlier in the show you do the spinner rack where you dissect the very best dc offers every week and i know that you're a huge fan of the recent sadly missed lucifer series and i, I just wanted to get your thoughts on michael sheen from that brief spot as lucifer facing down with morpheus um what did it bring to your mind? Obviously, because I know you're not that familiar with Sandman, but I know that you're a big Lucifer fan and you know that character really, really well. The thing that I loved about Lucifer and I love about it, this presentation is there's there's always wheels turning in the yeah. back of his mind. So whenever he's talking, he's talking in the moment, but he's talking about things that are setting up for him, what he plans on doing already, what he's confirming for himself. And if there's some change to it, he's already, you know, 
had the preparation that he knows how he's going to sort of like respond. So I always feel like you're talking with someone who knows more than you is never going to let on more than they have to. And because of that is always going to lead you, you know, they're, they'll, you know, at many times just, okay, well, I'll do what you want, which then you're like, ah, but you're doing something. You don't just give me what I want. <laughs> like it's working mm-hmm. out for you too. You have a plan. And I love the fact that he's been around for so long and he's, he's seen all the cons basically that when it comes to how he's going to act, it's never going to be one move. It's always going to be the first move. And that first move is like a chess match afterwards. And you're dealing with a master tactician. And so I always enjoyed that for me reading Lucifer, there's what's happening in the moment. And there's always that feeling of, yeah, but what are you waiting to show me? Because I know Mm -hmm. you always are. And I had that immediately from the clip. I definitely captured that sense of, yes, dream. I'll, I'll talk with you. Let's, let's be civil, right? Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk because I'm in the meantime, biding time, learning from everything you're showing me. And in the process, um, I've already thought most of this through, but you know, there's, there's things, there's a way of doing things. And I love that, that feeling, you know, that just that very great um, presence that, that I always feel when Lucifer is, is at play and when he's working, you can you sense it through every gesture through every tone and there was something really fun hearing that in the audio clip you know just that sense of like i know you're saying one thing but i'm fully aware of the fact that everything you're not saying reveals just as much you know the fact that oh yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah you've got things in mind you definitely definitely do so yeah i was really i was really enjoying that that was a lot of fun for me um and yeah that's it guys hey uh <laughs> this was a really fun time to hang out with my good friend mr steve j bray you've been always comics news podcast episode number 136 you can make sure you never miss one just subscribe whatever platform you're listening to weren't all the big ones like itunes and spotify stitcher all that but the one you're listening to right now just hit subscribe and if your friend's listening with you just Tell them to hit subscribe too, or hit it for them, or you know, don't cross any boundary lines. But you know what I mean. Like, you like it, you're gonna like more. Stick around because we've also got regular weekly episodes of the weekly podcast. But then you have great stuff like I Am the Night, an episode by episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, hosted by our very own Mr. Steve J. Bray. You I get know him. stuff like uh, yeah, see, 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 Mad Love and all that other great stuff, and you're guaranteed. And let's just say. You you want to keep up with Mr. Steve. Maybe you want to follow up on some of the things he's talked about. Maybe you realize that his depth of knowledge about Batman, Sandman, and so much more is something that you can only hope to try and keep up with. Well, Steve, he might just let you know where you can find him. So, you know, all your questions can be answered. All of your knowledge built comment. Wonderful wisdom note by wisdom note. Steve, where can the good people find you? Oh, please do find me. Talk to me about anything that you're a fan of. And if I'm a fan of it too, I may just bore you to tears. Twitter's the easiest way, at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. To hear me, Seth said it all 
on these great shows and on uh, Superheroes for Dummies, our show on the Comics Emotion podcast feed, where the listeners tell us who they want us to talk about and they send us their questions about that character. And hopefully we have some fun along the way and our brother seth will be on an episode as soon as the flash gets voted in he's already been booked and he will be joining us to read my work just type steve j ray or fantastic universes into your search engine of choice to read my news reviews and interviews across dc comics news dark knight news fantastic universes and cbr but catch me here with my friends most weeks but seth bruno fiji all the wonderful characters from the bay area where can the multiverse find you you know you can find me here come come hang out find me weekly episodes of the podcast you can find me hosting the spinner rack which is my top five pick each and every week from dc comics and you can find me hanging out with the gang on stuff like mad love which is our lovely wondrous and slightly raunchy definitely 18 and over uh, episode by episode breakdown of the wonderful harley quinn show and if you want to find me any other way, oh, come on, it's the internet. Do a little work. Seth Singleton, you can find me. I know you can. I have faith in you. And you can always send a message to the whole gang. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News. It's at uh, capital D, capital C, capital C, OMICS, capital N, DWS. Use that at DC Comics News on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever platform you're on. Use that. Send us a message. Let us know what you're thinking what you want us to know, questions you've got. And you can make sure the whole gang knows we all get to see it. We all get to answer. It's a grand old time. And, well, just like these episodes. I mean, come on. The fun is in the family. What can I say? Mm-hmm. With that, there's only one last thing we always like to remind you of uh, until our next episode. And that is to always read more comics. Comics. Boom. Dun, 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 dun. It's a mic oh, drop moment. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Can't wait till next time.